0: There's no easy way out Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the No Easy Way Out podcast. My name is Tony Nash, and we are coming to you, as always, from the Woodworth Building in beautiful downtown Owasso, home to my company, AZ Branding Solutions, where we help grow your brand from A to Z. So we got a guest today that I'm pretty excited about. Um, You know him. You've seen him around the AZ place, uh, the AZ offices before. You've seen him on our vlog You actually saw him interview me on episode 100, and we've talked about having him as a guest before. He's been on a few of our After Hours episodes, but Dan Dameron is our guest today. Dan, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony. It's nice to be on the other side of the mic for a change.
0: Yeah, normally he's behind the cameras and the production crew. Uh, Dan does so much for AZ. And uh, like I said, he's been on other episodes of the podcast before. But Dan is actually a very interesting guy. He has a lot to talk about. And and outside of AZ, he has something much bigger that he's a part of. And we're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about it. But Dan, before I get into talking a little bit more about what you got going on outside of AZ, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself?
1: I love Jesus. I'm married to Sarah. We've been married for four years. We're expecting our firstborn daughter very, very soon. Uh, and I have the privilege of pastoring Convergent Church right here in downtown Owasso, in addition to working at AZ Business Solutions. So I've got my hands pretty full.
0: So can I reveal the name of, of the baby girl? Please do. It's, it's Haddon. Yep. Can you tell us why the name Haddon?
1: Yeah. So one of uh, my and my wife's favorite Preachers was a 19th century preacher by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And uh, yeah, for some reason, like Haddon was the only name that we ever talked about. And it's I, guess it's an, I guess it's a name that could have worked for both a boy or a girl. Uh, but we had just said in our minds that we want to have a girl and we want this to be her name. So it's a good thing that we're not having a boy because we had no names picked out. Well, I like it. I like think it. it's a good name. It's strong. And I can't wait to meet Haddon. So.
0: Um, So, as I mentioned before, so you obviously work here at AZ, we'll talk a little bit about what you do here, uh, but I think a lot of the people know, we really want to talk today about what you do with Convergent Church. So, I know you helped start a church there, you're you're still in the process of that, Um, but tell our audience a little bit about what you do at Convergent before we get into what Convergent is.
1: Yeah, so I have the privilege of being the co-planter and pastor at Convergent Church right here in downtown Wasso alongside Jameson Bibiak and uh, shout out to Jameson. Shout out to Jameson. His name's going to come up later in the podcast, I'm sure of it. So of course. So for those listening who don't know, what is a co-planter? So it just means that we did it as a team. So there's not one, you know, guy just doing it all by himself, but instead we kind of divide our labors and we each carry out our unique, you know, get to operate out of our unique giftings. And so for Jameson in this season, he's he's thinking through, you know, preaching calendar. He's thinking through um, like a lot of the counseling stuff. And then for me, I'm, I'm on the other side of it, looking more like where we're going and the strategy of how we're going to get there. Um, but we share, we share the pulpit. Um, we share, Leadership, uh, we're co-equals. So there, we, there is if the, the question of who who's the lead guy at Convergent Church. The answer is Jesus. So
0: there you go. Well, it sounds like you guys make a good team, yeah. like Michael Scott and Jim Halpert, co-managers. Yes, kind of the same idea. Yep. <laughs> is there ever any struggle for power there? Do you guys get along
1: pretty well? Dude, I, we tell this. This question always <laughs> comes up, like when we're going through our our church membership class, and the answer is there's been several times throughout the span of the last couple of years since we started this thing that we've looked at each other and just been like, man, sometimes I think it would be a lot easier if it was just one of us getting, you know, getting to make all the decisions. But I think it's healthy for the church because, you know, they're not at the whim of whatever my recent hobby horse is or what Jameson's (laughs) hobby horse is. And so I really believe that the church gets the best because, you know, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, iron sharpens iron. Proverbs says that there's a, there's a, wisdom and in in a wealth of counselors and an yeah. abundance of counselors. And so, yeah, would, would decisions be easier to make sometimes if it was just one of us? Sure. For sure. But I think that, you know, we make the best decisions together.
0: Well, Jameson's a good dude. I've met him several times. He has an incredible singing voice also. Uh, he led the worship at our prayer breakfast. It was pretty awesome. Um, so, you know, to our audience, uh, we couldn't really survive here at AZ without Dan. Uh Dan's role is, is project manager, his, his title is project manager, but really Dan does a little bit of everything. He's got his hands in most things on the, on the digital side of our business. Um, he really is filling more of the integrator role here at AZ, and uh, he keeps the wheels in motion, he keeps us organized, he keeps us on track, as they say in EOS, and uh, he makes sure that I don't go off on too many tangents. Um, but Dan's real passion, Like, when you talk to him, his real passion is Jesus, which I appreciate because that is uh, my passion as well. Um, And one of the things we talked about when you started working here was, you know, you wanted to be able to have the flexibility to do this church plant. And, you know, Dan's very responsible about getting his work done, but uh, I know deep in his heart, his heart is with his people at the church there and with that work there. And so I know it's something you really love, but... Tell our audience about what you enjoy most about, you know, helping pastor a church.
1: Every human being has one thing in common. So if you're going, what, what common ground could I have somebody who's on the other end of the political spectrum with me or, you know, any of those sorts of things, every single human being without fault is broken and has been let down in some way because of sin, whether their own sin or somebody else's sin. And so, man, I think it's it's just the great equalizer. And so I love being able to enter that, enter into that with people, to enter into people who are struggling um, with their own shortcomings and, and trying to clean up the mess of their lives. And I also, you know, love coming alongside people who've been on the other side, who've been on the side of, you know, being hurt and and trying to understand how uh, a God who is Uh, you know, good and loving could let bad things happen.
0: Yeah. Well, if you can't tell, Dan loves people. And it's certainly not an act. I've been around him for two plus years. And it's evident in the way he is, even with our clients, Dan just loves people, loves to get to know people and loves to help people. So you could have started a church anywhere in the world. But why also?
1: Yeah, man, I just felt the burden to grow where I was planted, and you know, if if you've been to downtown Owasso, you know that there's a lot of exciting revitalization happening yeah. in our city. Um, I read an article once that said it was like one of the top ten cities to be in in the United States to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't know how credible that article is, but I still, you know, <laughs> I, I like it. I, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. We have a lot of, you know. Entrepreneurial work happening in downtown. You also look at downtown proper, and it's like there's all this renovation happening to these old buildings, like our building, that this you know the second, third floor haven't been used for years. And so the burden on my heart was like there's all this external material, um, you know, rejuvenation happening and growth and all these things, but it's not manifesting itself on a spiritual level. So the most recent statistic that I've seen would show that about ten percent of people who live in the city of Owasa would profess to belong to any sort of Protestant church. And that's staggering to me, especially considering that we have 50 churches in five square miles. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever someone's like, that's probably the most frequently asked question we get, is why another church when there's so many churches? Yeah. And the answer is, is like, man, we just need more faithful churches because we need well, everybody in
0: Owasso is not going to church yet. So until everybody's <laughs> attending, it's probably work to do.
1: Yeah, man. And truth be told, at this present time, if every single person who lived in the city of Owasso <laughs> became a Christian and got plugged into a church, we still wouldn't have enough seats to meet that capacity. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So, you know, you mentioned there are a lot of churches in Owasso. I don't know what the number is, but I know in shiawassee County, there's, there's a ton. Yeah. Um, and a lot of good churches, a lot of, you know, some might say not good churches. I don't know if that's maybe up for debate and we won't mm-hmm. talk about that necessarily, but you know, I always ask our entrepreneurs what makes their business different. So I would ask you what makes Convergent different? Yeah.
1: I, I would say, man, over, I don't know what the, I haven't been, over, I haven't been around that long. I'm only 31 years old. Um, oh boy! But I would say man. over the, over the course of the last century or so, it's become like Sunday morning going to church is like a thing that we do. It's not who we are. And so I'd say what makes Convergent Church maybe different than some of the other churches is that like, man, we love Sundays and we love gathering together, but we don't want to be a place where we just come and do something one day a week. We believe that the church isn't a building, it's not a place, but that we're a com- that we're a community. And so we're really striving to live that out where it's, you know, it's come and, and be known and live in community and have other people. There's like I think 59 or 61 other commands in the New Testament. And so it's going like, yeah, let's let's come together and let's help each other walk those things out. Yeah, I love that.
0: So then, you know, one of the questions I like to ask our guests, again, most of you know this, most of our guests are entrepreneurs. Uh, but in the same spirit, you know, we always ask our guests, who is your target market? So let me ask you,
1: who should come to Convergent? Uh, people who don't know Jesus and people who do know Jesus. I would say we started a church because there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. Like yeah. we didn't start a church to try and reach the other Christians in the city. But certainly Christians are welcome. It takes Christians to make a church, right? Sure. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I, but I would say our target market uh, is the city of Owasso, so we've got you know friends and family that are commuting from Genesee County or from the Lansing area, and into that I'm always like, man, you're you're driving by a lot of faithful churches on the way, yeah. and we'd love to help you get connected somewhere close to home because again, we don't we believe that church isn't just a day of the week, we believe that it's not just something that we do, but it's a people that we belong to. And so it makes it really challenging when you live 40, 45 minutes away. So it's not uncommon for for you to hear me say uh, things to people like, hey, you know, yeah, it's one or two things is going to happen here. Either you're going to be so kind of like connected in this community that you feel compelled to move your life here or you're eventually going to get sick of us just talking about Owasso all the time (laughs) and be like, I want to do something in my city, which I think is great. Go do that.
0: Well, I love that you said, you know, you mentioned the the church is is not a building. It's not a place. The church is the people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, certainly there are some really good churches here in our community. But in the world we live in, you know, Uh, Christians get a little bit of a bad rap. And I know there are a uh, a wide range of Christians, you know, in anything you go to. I mean, you go to a restaurant... It's a chain, and sometimes you're going to go to a, a really good B-dubs, and then sometimes you're going to hit one, and it was just really bad. The, the, the wings were dry and you know, small, and the service was bad, but then you're going to go to one, and it was just completely the opposite. So the same is with churches. Mm-hmm. There are good ones. There are bad ones. The same is with Christians. There are yeah. good ones and bad ones, but one of the things I love about attending church—I mean, it's our favorite thing to do on a Sunday— is the the community the, the the people that i get to ha- be friends with when i go through a difficult time there are a lot of people praying for me lifting me up sending me encouraging messages um and so in my experience and i've been a christian my whole life man christian people are great like the christian people that i know are kind friendly loving and, I, and again this isn't 100 percent. i've met some 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 bad ones but i would say the overwhelming majority of christian people that i met that have had their lives changed by christ are are great people, and uh, so I would ask you, you know, from your perspective and, and working in, a, in church as a pastor, why do you think it is that you know Christians get such a bad rap?
1: I think Christians get a bad rap because I think people perceive us as being hypocrites. To which I would say we're a hundred percent hypocrites.
0: Everybody is. Every, <laughs> everybody's a
1: hypocrite. Um, you know, the, the reality is that we are all fallen, fallible broken people. And even though, you know, the the difference I would say with a Christian is we identify that and go, man, I am fallen. I am fallible. I am broken. I do struggle with this sin. I need somebody else to to help me. And so, man, it's a constant pursuit and a constant striving in the spirit um, to to, to be and to live more like Jesus, but we're all going to make mistakes along the way. So I don't know, you know, whenever we have like a lot of times you know, new people come to our church. And if they've got any sort of background in churches, they're always quick to tell you about like all the churches they have been to in town here and how all of them have hurt them and all this stuff. And I'm very quick to point them out that we'll probably hurt you too. Like, we'll probably let you down, but we're family. Right. And you know, that's what family does sometimes. That's what family does. And you know, we always pursue reconciliation and, you know, and, and, and we're trying to grow together. Yeah. Well, I think when
0: you come to the realization that, you know, Christians aren't special people and pastors aren't special people we're just people that are trying our best to do what's right to do good by our our fellow man to be good citizens to be good fathers and husbands and wives and and children and good employees and all of these things we're trying and yet we fail there's a verse in the bible that says a just man or a righteous man falls down seven times but gets back up again you know and so for me uh an entrepreneur who likes the the pursuit Mm -hmm. the struggle like Today's a good day, tomorrow was tough, or, tomorrow's, or today's a tough day, but tomorrow's gonna be better. It's the same thing in our Christian walk. You know, Paul said at the end of his life, I fought a good fight. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes the Christian life is a fight, it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I certainly know there are probably Christians that put themselves on a pedestal and For think sure. that they're better. But I think if you've truly been changed by Jesus, you know you're not better than anyone. For sure. And you have grace, and so you want to share that with as many people as possible.
1: Yeah, I love, you know, the example of the, the Apostle Paul. And it's like early on in his ministry, he would talk about like, man, if we want to do this based on like works of the law, let me tell you all my credentials, you know? He was a Pharisee, like he was this religious leader. He, he like list them all out. But then by the end of his life, he just is, he, he identifies himself as being the chief amongst sinners. And so I would say, you know, a lot of times when people come to meet Jesus, you know, they find this hope and they can be really zealous, but they can be sometimes zeal without knowledge, which in turn... Is damaging to people. We see a lot of that in our world today. Absolutely, but you know, those who who walk with the Lord as time progresses, we actually are, are more and more in tune with our own insufficiencies because you know when we look in the mirror that is Scripture, when we look in the mirror and and look at, to Jesus, we see like, man, I've got so much further to go.
0: Well, I you know I would say if you're watching and you just feel like you just don't like what's happening in the world today, it seems like. Things around you are getting worse. All you hear is bad news. If you're watching the media or listening to social or watching listening to media or looking at social media, you're bombarded with bad things that are happening. And sometimes maybe it feels overwhelming. Maybe you're trying to be part of the solution. Maybe you're just overwhelmed and stressed. But I would say the best thing you could do is, well first and foremost, come to Jesus, but get connected with a local church. Um, you know, Emanuel and, and, and um, Convergent are two really good churches, um, but get connected with a church in your community. Uh, get connected with a local pastor and start meeting some people. I will tell you, it will uplift your spirit. It will make you feel like there is hope, because our hope is not in whoever is elected president. Our hope is not in the next political cycle or, you know, the U.S. Constitution or patriotism, our hope is in, in Jesus. And so for me, when things go bad, when the whole world shuts down because of a global pandemic, like I don't lose hope because my hope isn't in those things. And and I say that's a result of being around other strong people in their faith to help me through those times. And I think every person watching should get connected with a, a good local church. Yeah, I agree. So, Dan, I appreciate you sharing that. We're going to learn a little bit more about that. But obviously, you know, you workshopped this segment on me the first time, (laughs) this new segment for season five called 50 Questions. And we go through these things real quick. And I thought you did such a good job coming up with questions for me. I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, my family watched it and even said they learned a few things about me. Um, I listened to some of the answers. I'm like, oh, I'd like to answer that one again. But <laughs> hey, it's on the spot. So you just, you just go and it's out on the internet forever. So yep. we're going to go through those with you. Some of these, uh, are you ready for that? I, I was born ready. All right, man. We're going to start. So <clears throat> Dan, how did you start your day today?
1: I got up. I went for a walk inspired by Stephen Myers, who's on the podcast recently. He just yeah. said, I get up in the morning and I go for a walk. And I was yeah. like, I need that clarity break. Yeah. So I got up, went for a walk, read my Bible by the river, came home, lifted some weights, and now I'm here.
0: There you go. If you could spend one day with anyone in the world, who would that be? Ooh, dude, that is a tough question, man. I know.
1: <laughs> I guess just you. Just me? Yeah, just oh, you. Okay,
0: Here we go. So what would we do?
1: Uh, we do what we're doing right now. We
0: do a podcast. We All have right.
1: a podcast and we talk about faith.
0: I'm glad you're living out your dreams at this moment. Yes, man. man. It's <laughs>
1: the best day ever. That's what Chuck Dodge would say. That's
0: what Chuck Dodge would say, best day ever, no matter what. Um, why did you want to start, you know, you kind of answered this of, but why did you want to start a church in the first place?
1: Yeah, man. Just wanted to see more and more people in our city uh, come to know hope and, and realize that there's so much more to this life that we're living and especially coming on the heels of a global pandemic, like most people are like, dude, of all the times to start a church, like you and Jameson decided in 2020 that you were going <laughs> to start a church. Like when everything was still shut down, yeah. you know, like even like in 2021, when we were meeting in a living room, it's like still a little controversial. Yeah. um, But it's like, you know, you look at, you know, the various protests and riots, however you want to define that, whichever side of the aisle that you're on. But like, if there's one thing that came abundantly clear through the pandemic, it's that people uh, are longing for community and they really want to belong to something that is bigger than themselves. And I believe that Jesus and his kingdom is the answer to that question.
0: Excellent. Um, So, you know, starting from meeting in a house during
1: a pandemic, how would you say the church has grown over the last few years? You know, we started in a living room and we're like, you know, what, we're just going to play the long game. Like we really didn't have an agenda to like, you know, we didn't have like a public launch date or really much, you know, written in stone. Um, but the first living or first week that we met in a living room, we had almost 30 people with kids. And like, again, like just knowing at that time people's consciences as it pertained to, to COVID-19 and stuff, we were like, oh, dude, we're cramming all these people between like a living room and dining room. And, you know, there's some people that just aren't going to feel comfortable being a part of that. And so like right from week one, we started going, where could we go? So we kind of maintained there for a couple of months and then um, just got to the point where we needed to move on to something else. And so reached out to our friends, uh, Nick and Mandy Pidek. Mandy owns you know Aviator Jane here in town and had this beautiful loft. And so then for, for a while, our church was, you know, Functionally homeless, but Mandy was letting us use the loft uh, up there at Aviator Jane, and so just continued to grow, continued to look f- for our for our own space. And then uh, it was 2022, September of 2022, that we nope September of 2021 that we we signed our lease uh, in the Armory. You know, just you know, not that long after after getting going. So it's been it's been slow and steady, which is how I like it.
0: once well, said so he wins the race. Well, you were working in the army at that time, so you had the opportunity to kind of see what it had to offer. So, yeah. what is one thing you'd love
1: to master? Oh, man. I would love to master anything. I I, I feel like I'm somebody that does a little bit of everything. You dabble. I dabble. I've got just enough knowledge to be dangerous, but like there's not one thing that I've really mastered. I should say, in this season, I'd really love to master preaching it's one of those things where i feel like the more that i do it actually the worse i'm getting somehow because you get more aware of your idiosyncrasies and stuff so i'd love to master that
0: do you listen to your sermons
1: i do i i I try and listen to a little bit of of every single one and i'm always like man why were you talking so fast why did you say, um, so many times, you know, I, but I think, you know, some people could look at that and be like, Oh, that's weird. That seems narcissistic. But for me, it's like, I disagree. I, yeah. I just have this constant pursuit of, of getting better. And mm-hmm. I think that preaching isn't just being faithful to the text of scripture, but it's being faithful to the people that are listening. And so I just always want to grow. Like, how can I better transition? How can I better illustrate what the scripture is teaching? How can I help better help apply that for people and remove myself from being the stumbling block?
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I make myself watch at least a little bit of every episode and not because I enjoy watching myself because, again, the camera adds, you know, several pounds, I feel like. But and I don't even like to hear the sound of my own voice, which most people don't because we don't hear ourselves the way that everybody else does. So when you hear your voice, you're like, oh, is that what I sound? But I listen to it to help me get better, to see what are the things I could improve upon. And I think it's I think it's great that you do that. Um, Do you ever amen yourself? No,
1: literally never. <laughs> that wasn't one of
0: the questions, but I was curious. What has co-pastoring a church taught you about yourself?
1: Oh man, it, honestly, dude, it's a lot like being married, where you just become again increasingly aware of your own idiosyncrasies and you know your your quirks, and so you know not realizing how, what you say and how you act. It's like, oh man, this affects somebody else, and it's not always received <laughs> received well, and so yeah I think it's just yeah it's it's helped me
0: people see you differently than you see yourself now
1: yes absolutely it's made me a better person though, pastor for sure. Dan
0: yeah <laughs> um I don't know if you'll remember this but what was the very first sermon you preached at Convergent
1: I think I preached on community actually so we started with preaching through our core values so if my memory serves me right it starts with the gospel is the first value transparency then community so Jameson took the first two and then I I jumped in on community very good um what have you done for the first time recently? I shot a, a video for like a, a puppet skit. Uh, uh, yes, with some green screen. F- and yeah, with Covenant <laughs> Eyes. I'd never done anything like that before. I'd, I've never actually done, been a part of anything where somebody was in a green suit, but there was. We'll, we'll see how that turned out. Yeah, we'll leave that in the hands of Jordan.
0: We're going to leave the, the masterful Jordan Sovis to edit that one. In 10 years, what will you
1: regret doing way too much of? Probably Working. You know, like I'm always trying to find that balance of like, you know, how can I just be faithful in each sphere of my life? And so it can be really easy for me just to get, you know, restless and just always want to put my hand to the plow. um, When I think my, you know, my greatest regret is just going to be having not spent more intentional time with people.
0: If you could resurrect one person from history and place them in today's world, who would it be?
1: I mean, I'm naming my daughter after him, so probably Charles Haddon Spurgeon. All right. What's your favorite thing about Owasso? Uh, I would just say that a lot of the people in Owasso have ownership. Like, take the responsibility. I mean, there's always going to be people on the sidelines that are just going to you know, passively critique everything that's happening. But there's a lot of people in Owasso who are just wanting to get into it and to get their hands dirty. And, you know, I lived... Prior to moving back here and when I started AZ, my wife and I had lived in Indianapolis very short for a short period of time. And it was just so radically different to be in a city that large where it's like nobody. There's no place like home. Yeah. And just a lot of people that I'd meet just didn't seem really engaged in in, in making the difference um, as far as like in a government level and stuff. And so, you know, yeah, everyone here just, just, just owns their stuff. You know, people see trash on the street, they pick it up. <laughs> what is the strangest nickname you've ever been given? I don't. I don't even know if, what nicknames I've been giving. I'm not like you. I don't have you know. I don't have a million, a million nicknames. nicknames. I'm, not, I'm not the brand daddy. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Casey Lambert. I don't know, Michael. I feel like Michael Masters used to call me Danner. Danner. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Michael. Yeah, I'm sure Casey's probably called me
0: one too, but I don't remember what it is. Danner. I remember Danner. Um, what do you think is, in your opinion, is the most important quality that a pastor should have? A warm heart. Good answer.
1: Not just a head full of knowledge, but a heart that's warm to people.
0: What is a daily habit everyone should do? Pray.
1: Why did you name the church
0: Convergent?
1: Yeah, so again, wanting to be a church that isn't just existing for, you know, religious services and worship gatherings. The word Converge means to incline towards one another around, you know, a common idea or principle. And so the idea for us being that like Jesus is our converging point, like you get people from all sorts of different walks of life, again, faith backgrounds, no faith backgrounds, all sorts of different struggles, different socioeconomic places. But yet here we are, you know, converging uh, and really inclining our lives towards one another. All right. I love that. So if you had to name it something else, what would you name it? Dude, I was actually thinking that's so random because I was actually thinking about that this morning and I was like, what what you know what what I've, you know. I have no idea, man. I didn't even have anything to do with that. Jameson actually picked the name of the church, and I was like, that's great. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh Dan Baptist, Dan Southern Baptist Church. Yeah, no. (laughs) It has a ring to it though.
0: It it sure does not. (laughs) Um if you could have one wish for our community, what would it be?
1: Man. I I feel like people are going to be like, that Dan guy just is really religious and talks about Jesus all the time. But it's like, I want people to come to know Jesus because I want people to know a hope that transcends circumstance, a hope that transcends loss, that transcends the grave. And there's only one place for that so
0: well listen if they get to know you they're going to find that out eventually right so you might as well put your cards out on the table like this is who i am this is what i'm about
1: for sure but i feel like these i feel like these questions are targeted to elicit you you know how i'm going (laughs) to respond to these things and once and you know when someone sees me at corner pub or something you know i don't want them to be like oh i can't sit or talk to that guy i can't have a drink with that guy because he's gonna you know and that's just that's not me like for me it's very much integrated in my life my personal experience
0: dan is the most down-to-earth dude that there is He'll talk any topic with you. He just likes getting to know people. So don't be intimidated, but, you know, he's a good guy.
1: I'm also, you know, there's been plenty of times here when I've said something, like, really stupid or off color, and you've been like, well, thanks, Pastor Dan. <laughs> yes. So if that's any That's, just, that's just fun. <laughs>
0: that's just fun. So speaking of people talking about Dan, let's talk a little bit about Parking Gate. <laughs> Recently you made a post, so... For those of you who are watching, you know, in our downtown, we have this two-hour parking rule, and we have a fantastic gentleman, Doc, who has, I think he's volunteered to help enforce that, to assist the downtown business owners in making sure that the spaces in front of their buildings stay clear so that they can service their customers. So, Doc, thank you for what you're doing. He served in our military. He's a good dude. We love Mm you. And uh, so, but he's doing the job that nobody else would want, you know. And uh, so there's been a you know, mixed reception to this you know parking. Some people think there's no parking issues in Owasso. A lot of the business owners feel that there is parking issues because their customers have to walk half a mile to get to their business. And so um, you know, through some efforts and the city council determining now that COVID has passed, because they used to enforce this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Since COVID they hadn't, now we're going to start enforcing parking again, which means most of the spots downtown in front of the businesses are two hours. And so some people have been very happy about it. Some people have been making jokes about it. You decided, since it was a tense situation, to just bring a little brevity to it. Yeah. Tell us about what happened. Tell us about your post and what happened.
1: I think I brought levity to it. I don't think I brought brevity to it. I don't know what brevity even means. <laughs> I think it means brief. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't you know. made it brief. <laughs> you made it brief. You brought levity to the situation. Yeah, man. And so, no, it was it was definitely like an intense time. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was, you know people in our own building, people in our own office, people that work at AZ, like we're like, I've been parking here, you know, for the last couple of years and now I got a ticket. And it's like, no, it's, it's always been clearly posted that it's two hour parking. So everyone just had to embrace the risk. But then there's other people that were, you know, really upset that it hadn't been enforced for a long time. There's other people that are really upset that it is now being enforced and they can't park in front of their business, even you know, and then, you know, and then there's, you know, everyone's kind of being directed towards just one of the city lots. And so like the lot closest to us, there's, tons of people working just in our building alone. And so now everyone is converging on this particular parking lot. (laughs) So now, you know, some of the, some of the business owners in there are like, man, my, you know, senior citizen handicapped, you know, patients or customers are having to park blocks away. What like what's actually, so there's some people that are just like, I didn't know what was happening, but why is this parking lot always crowded? And so for me, it just like, it was a really stressful time for a lot of people on both ends of the spectrum. And so I, you know, somebody on Facebook that day who like lived in the South, I don't even know what was happening, had marked themselves safe from some sort of like global disaster. And I was like, Oh dude, that'd be funny with all these people that are getting parking tickets. I think it would be really funny to make a post that said, you know, Mark safe from the downtown parking enforcement officer or whatever. And I
0: thought it was clever. I thought it was funny and it got, you know, pretty good response. Some people kind of had their own little things with it, but just to be clear, we weren't making fun of Doc. Doc, mm-hmm. if you're watching, we love you, man. We appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely. We were definitely not making fun of you. Yeah. Um, well, Dan wasn't. I definitely wasn't. But Dan wasn't either. <laughs> we yeah. just were trying to have a little fun with a tense situation, and uh, so I think most people knew that.
1: Yeah, and like the conversations I'd had with people after, like some, like some people that were upset by it, by the post or thought that I was like. Personally, attacking that because like I didn't even know who the officer was. I didn't know anything about what was happening. And if you know me, like I'm not gonna be like I don't care about parking that much. Like I've always, I mean, for one, I'm never parked. It goes for
0: a morning walk every day. Yeah,
1: I've never been parked down here for more than two hours at a time. So it's not something that personally affected me. So I think a lot of people perceived it as uh, me either just being mean or rude, rude or unchristlike. You know, or like that I was identifying with like there's because there's there's always two sides to any issue. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that perceive that as me picking a side where it's like, no, dude, I'm just the dude that's always sitting in the middle, just making jokes. So,
0: (laughs) well, I thought it was funny. Uh, What is one random fact about you?
1: Random fact Uh, sort of on one of the after hours episodes, but I uh, used to tour in a metal band.
0: What is a totally irrational fear that you have?
1: Going to prison. If
0: you could be like any pastor, alive or dead, who would you choose? Oh, man.
1: You know, I just preached on this this last week, but like I think comparison kills contentment. And so, man, I just I just want to be whoever God wants me to be in the process. That's a cliche answer. Is it? You know you would be Spurgeon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, just teasing.
1: He wasn't a true expositor, but that's a conversation for another time. So I don't <laughs> know if I would want to be him. What do you enjoy most about your job at AZ. Man, just getting to meet people in the community, you know, I lived here for for the majority of my 31 years of life and like just in the, you know, I've, I've been here for a few years now, but just the people that I get to meet and, you know, every day, like my prayer at the beginning of the morning is, Lord, you know, whatever lies before me today, let me not use the people in front of me to accomplish a task, but let me use the task to build the people. And so that's just always my mindset. So whether it's interacting with our employees here or interacting with our clients, like it's always just like, man, how can I, how can I impact this person's life in, in a way that they could say my life is better because I've met this person.
0: Very good. What's your favorite way to spend a Sunday?
1: Favorite way is to spend a Sunday at church, go out to lunch afterwards, and then I like to nap for like two or three hours at a time. Some people tell me that's just sleeping, but I still will argue it's a nap. a nap, for
0: sure. Sunday afternoon naps are the best. Um, Describe yourself as a kid.
1: Uh, Painfully timid and shy. uh, So much so we had a, a guy who was my youth pastor when I was in middle school recently started coming to our church, and I was like, you know, I was like, oh, man, I, yeah, I haven't seen you in, you know, 15 or 20 years or whatever. And he was like, yeah, man, I heard you were a pastor in a church. And like, I just I couldn't believe it and just I had to, to see, see it from my own myself. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you what advice would you give to your 16 year old self? And there's there's so many things. I feel like recently, though, it's been more or less like don't waste your youth, like be intentional with the time that you have, be intentional. You know, i I have more things to say to my 20 year old self, probably than my 16 <laughs> year old self, but just, you know, just, just be intentional and, and, and don't just think about uh, today and what I want to do. But like, think about the long game and think about, you know, really, really where you want to go with life.
0: They say youth is wasted on the young. It really is. <laughs> uh, what was one thing you loved about school and one thing you hated about school?
1: I've always loved being, even though I was really shy and really timid, like I've always loved being around other people. Like even during the pandemic, like I'd go stir crazy and was like, I got to go hang out with Nick and John at Foster's and, you know, make a really long coffee order. Um, But the thing that I hated was, was always the schoolwork. Like I've always struggled on, on, on like the academic side of things. Like I'm just, I'm the person that's kind of like, just show me how to do it and I'll do it. Same. But
0: what is your favorite Spurgeon book?
1: Oh man. Uh, I don't really, he, you know, he didn't write a ton of books. Um, or commentary. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He had like the treasury of David. It's a lot of his sermon books. Um, I think one of my f- favorite ones probably, yeah, probably just his autobiography just yeah. to hear it from, from himself.
0: Um, when is the first time that you truly felt successful?
1: I think, you know, when I was in high school, I was, playing in bands and I had all these aspirations of like, you know, if if you're, if, if you ever have access to a Corona high school yearbook, if you're ever at the school or something you look back to like, you know, there's like a, a band page, like local band page. Um, like I just kind of described like what my hopes and my dreams were for the band, like to be able to release a professional recorded album, to be able to go on tour. And I was able to do both of those things like this, like the end of my high school year and like when when I graduated. And so, yeah, man, it just, it felt really good to go like, this is what I want to do, and then just to do it.
0: If Hollywood made a movie about you, who would they cast, or who would you like them to cast as you?
1: I don't know. <laughs> who do you think w- should be cast as me in a movie? Who do I think yeah. should be
0: cast as you? Oh, man. Uh, this isn't this isn't my interview, but um, let me see. Mike, you got any ideas? Who would play Dan in, in, uh, in, in the Hollywood movies there? Zach Galifianakis? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, I'd love
0: that. <laughs> He's got a good beard. I don't know. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Perfect. I mean if I had my pick, it'd be like Bradley Cooper, but you know.
0: Someone really good looking. Yes. Yes. Really, really ridiculously good looking. Um what is one big goal? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, there you go. I think that's a like it. one. What is one big goal you have for Convergent? Like a big goal.
1: Well, our vision is a massive goal. And, you know, if you haven't been triggered by anything else, I've said like, this will probably trigger you. But like, we really want everyone who lives in the city of Owasso to come and to know and to love Jesus. And we can't force that upon people. That's a, that's a work of God's spirit. But like, that that's the goal. Like we would say that we live in labor to see his kingdom come to the city of Owasso, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and a kingdom exists wherever a king's rule extends. And Jesus's rule begins in the uh, it, it begins in people's hearts, and so, man, that's that's the goal. We're just to you know, Jesus said, uh, like when He taught us how to pray, He said, uh, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And so, it's like that's what Jesus told us to pray. So, I have to believe that it's what He wants, and so that's what we want for our city. Why not here? Why not now?
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and listen to those watching. If you had the cure for cancer. You'd want everybody to know about yeah. that. If if you found a way that everyone could live, you know, rich and wealthy and it was easy, you'd want to tell everybody about that. And as a Christian, we feel like, you know, we've unlocked the key to true joy. The Bible talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, you can't even really describe it or peace that passes all understanding. Like, when you have something like that, we'd be a selfish people to not want to share that with others. And Again, never want to force it on somebody. But... Man, we want to tell anybody who wants to know, like, this is real. This has changed my life. And so if you see Christians like trying to tell you about it, it's because it's something that means a lot to them and they, they want it to mean something to you. But
1: during um during Parking Gate, I had I had somebody I had I mean, I had like I said a few different people kind of reach out to me with, with, with some negative critiques, but it's like, you know, the like one recurring one is like, I thought you were trying to build community. How is this building community? And I was like, dude, just wait until people learn that I want everyone to meet Jesus. And there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to be around me. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's be. Yes. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want the parking thing to be the stumbling block. I want it to be yes. you know my faith in Jesus. So that's my bad. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you said you used to be in a metal band. Yes. Who is Dan Dameron's favorite all-time metal band? Oh, dude. Uh, you've
1: probably never heard, never heard of them, but they're, they're called August Burns Red. I have not.
0: What was the name of your band that toured?
1: People are going to go look up stuff on YouTube now, man. <laughs> uh, it's called Bring Them Low.
0: Bring Them Low. If you had an unlimited budget, what would one upgrade you would make for the church?
1: Yeah, probably just being able to own our own building at some time. But I also my conscience is conflicted because, again, like you know, we don't want to be people that are just glued to a building. I'd yeah. rather have people meeting in homes. But if I had to boil it down that's probably it what is your go-to order at johnny v smokehouse it's one of our favorites here it is the pork tacos dude they're so good that every time i eat them they get better and i was telling my wife this the other day i was like no offense to you but like i have never had something this incredible in my life
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow that's tough um so i know you mentioned that you did earlier but i I, the question was is it true that you once had a recording contract so we know the answer because you already told us but what? tell us about the recording contract.
1: Yeah, so after I graduated high school and the band had, you know, we professionally recorded an album. Like for a long time, like my goal was like, that's, I wanted to make music in my career. And so we just started shopping around with just some smaller record labels and just sending it out to whoever we could we could get it to. And so we ended up landing with a, with a company, a record company that I don't think they exist anymore, but they were called Raging Storm Records. And so, I mean, they were willing to, they're willing to take a gamble on us yeah. and uh you know we're very accommodating so that was cool
0: i just figured out who's going to play you in hollywood who jack
1: black um school of rock style jack black that was what, Legend that's of what the was, rent. that was like what was in my head but like he doesn't look like you but he's also like super charismatic and doesn't act like me at all that's so true. Well, he's a good actor <laughs> yes. he could play you yeah so dan sometimes
0: we tease you around the office about your frequent order of a turkey on white sandwich <laughs> who
1: has the best turkey on white in owasso Oh man, that's easy. Jersey Mike's they're the new, they're the newest cats in town, but they've got the best Turkey on white. All right.
0: How long after you started working here, did you begin to notice the frequency of my mentioning that I worked in the hotel industry?
1: Dude, it is right at the beginning, man. I, like, like literally right at the beginning. Like I don't maybe, I mean, maybe it took like a month, but after listening to a few, like being a part of a few different podcasts and, and hearing the interactions with, with people, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That comes up, you know, <laughs> comes up a lot, comes up a lot. If you had to de- if you could describe your
0: job here in five words or less, how would you describe it? Controlled
1: chaos. <laughs>
0: that sounds about right. Um if you could broadcast a message to the entire world right now, what would it be?
1: Yeah, just I kind of alluded to it earlier, but just like the reality that like everyone is is broken to some degree and that the only remedy for that is Jesus is the gospel. Um, you know, we're powerless to clean ourselves up. You know, you think about your kids, you know, they make a mess somewhere, heaven forbid it's the bathroom, and like they trying to clean it up with their hands the best of their building and just smear everything around and make it way worse than it began with. Like that's our story in our brokenness. Like when we try and look within To find healing or to fix ourselves. Like it just always leaves us wanting for more. And so I've man, there's one message I could broadcast. It's just the good news that Jesus came to this earth and lived the perfect holy life, you know, never sinning in thought, word, or deed. He did that as our substitute in our place and ultimately went to the cross. You know, the Bible says the wage that our sin affords us is death. And because of God's great love for us, he didn't even withhold his own son, Jesus. And Jesus came and took the beating took, the mocking took, the being crucified and ultimately killed uh, for our sin, um, so that we could have reconciliation with our heavenly Father. What is your proudest achievement? Probably planting Convergent Church because it's something that I felt called to for over a decade, and you know to see something like that, you know that you've desired for so long that you've just committed to prayer for so long, that you've worked to for so long come to fruition is, is huge.
0: What is something important that you've learned in your life that could help others succeed?
1: Just knowing that like Jesus paved the way for you, that you couldn't pay for yourself, and that you know, it's not about how hard you try. It's actually about surrender.
0: Love that. Love that. It's a great answer. Uh, in your opinion, what sets successful people apart from unsuccessful people? Hard work. What's your advice to someone who wants to start a church?
1: Most of the time now when people start a church, it looks like starting a gathering and then assembling a group of people to kind of do the work of ministry and then years down the road engaging the city. But the biblical pattern was actually engage your city first. And as you're reaching people with the gospel, they become your core team. They become your small group. And then from there you launch a gathering. And so I would just say, man, pray about it and then start engaging your city today. Like that's not an after effect. Like that's actually where the the, the work of church planning begins. It starts with engaging your city. The gathering comes much longer after.
0: With everything going on in your life right now, what makes you most happy these days? Man, just
1: spending time with my wife and, you know, trying to savor getting ready for Haddon. Yep. savor every, every memory along the way. In
0: today's fast paced and constantly evolving world, how do you think the role of the church and the pastor has changed and what challenges does this present?
1: I mean, I think what the church and what the, what a pastor is today is, you know, a lot different than what we see in the New Testament. And so again, in the New Testament, it wasn't, you know, the New Testament church, they didn't have buildings. They didn't even, you know, necessarily have these long Sunday gatherings where somebody would get up and, you know, lecture or preach for for 40 minute increments of time or or however long. it was just much more organic. It was people that were literally like investing their lives in one another. Um, and then, you know, in the role of the pastor, you know, I think a lot of times in the church today, people view the pastor as being kind of like the employee of the church, like the guy who, who does the work of, of ministry. But the way that scripture would teach is, you know, the pastor's job isn't to do the work of ministry, but it's to actually to equip the believers to go out and to do, to do the work of ministry. And so I think, you know, Those are two things that have rapidly changed, but, you know, I would also say that I think it's been many of our pursuit to try and get back to some semblance of of what we saw in Acts 2.
0: How do you approach the task of delivering sermons that are relevant in today's world and and, uh, in modern context?
1: Every portion of Scripture... Is all about Jesus. Like it's either explicitly about Jesus, or it's a shadow that's looking forward to the redemption that you know that Jesus would bring. And so, man, I think the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, has to be the like the the, the the beeline that every that we get to in every in every sermon. But then from there, like looking at the text and and gleaning, you know, how does this apply? Because there's so much like being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus isn't just this intellectual assent to a set of particular facts, but it's actually, you know, letting those things penetrate our hearts and change the way that we live. And so, you know, you know, every, every week when I'm, when I have the opportunity to preach, it's going, okay, I want to explain to people what this means in the the original historical context, what was happening at that time. But then I want to find a way that I can illustrate it to so like, they, they can understand it in terms of like how this would work in today's society. Mm-hmm. And then help them apply it. Like what are the implications that we can draw from this text that that we can actually apply in our lives today? So you
0: kind of mentioned this before with a 40-minute, you know, sermon, but what is the (laughs) ideal length for a sermon?
1: Man, I would say 30 minutes. I think I've only hit it one time. So I've hit a 30-minute more than you have for your podcast. (laughs) That's true.
0: That is true. (laughs) I'm trying. So tell us then a little bit about. To to preach that thirty minute sermon, what kind of preparation goes into that for Dan Damron?
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of work. A lot of people are like, "Well, dude, don't you just like get up and talk for an hour on Sunday?" <laughs> and it's just like, oh, "Dude, I'm not like you. You you perceive me as being way more intellectual and smart than I actually am." And so, I mean, for me, the, the process looks like typically we're preaching through a book of the Bible, um, and so I don't pick what I want to preach. It's just like, oh, we finished in these verses last week. So here's the next set of verses. And so, and so for me, like that, that process begins by just looking at the text, studying the text, praying and asking God to help me understand what I'm reading. And then from there, asking him to help me see the sermon in the text. You know, what are the points? You know, what are the, what's the main emphasis? What are the sub points? Uh, what's the application and then you know praying and asking him for to prepare my heart to preach and then from there you know i spend time i actually start with writing my introduction and writing my conclusion first because i think that's where a lot of people make a mistake and so making sure that's cohesive and then i build out all those points from my outline and you know but it's a several day several hour process
0: it definitely is you you put a lot of preparation into your sermons i know that uh, just from observation so, Dan, you made it to question number 50 here. Mm. The last question is, what can people expect when they visit Convergent?
1: Uh, they can expect to be embraced wherever they are on their journey. We're not in the business of, of trying to fix people. Uh, we don't believe that's our job, but we believe that that's the job of the Holy Spirit. And so I think, you know, Billy Graham said something to that extent. He's like, you know, it, it's, it's God's job to judge. It's my job to love. And so, man, they can expect just to, to be loved on and, and to be, you know, met with open arms. Well, Dan, you did
0: it. Fifty questions. Studio on, it's round Thank of applause. You. I feel like we know pretty much everything about you. Um, but I think you're going to challenge that because we always like to do a little game with our guests. And when you were on uh, the After Hours version of our podcast a few years ago, we used to do this segment called Two Truths and a Lie, and you stumped us all. I don't think any of us got what the lie was. Um, and so we've asked you to come back and give me another opportunity to figure out what is the lie. So you've come up with two new truths and one new lie yeah, that you're hoping that I won't know. So you're going to read those out loud, and I get a few questions to ask to try to deduce what is the correct answer. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, man. Let's do this. Let's hear it. Give me your two truths and a lie.
1: All right. When I first met my co-pastor, Jamison Bibiak, we instantly hit it off. And we've been like best friends since 2010.
0: Okay. Instantly hit it off with Jameson, best friend since 2010. Mm-hmm. Sounds legit, but let's keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was only 10 years old when I performed in a professional recording studio for the first time. And that studio was owned by Bill Gaither of the Gaither Vocal Band. Oh. For all my Southern gospel folks out there,
0: what song did you sing?
1: It's called "God of My Father."
0: Was Bill Gaither there?
1: Uh, I did engage with him when we were there. He wasn't in the studio as I was recording it, but like he came, he'd always come in and like like a president kind of just drop in and hey, how's it going? Did
0: you get to touch his perm?
1: I didn't, but it was his flow was serious. He's also yeah. much more tan than I would have thought a he would very be.
0: Very orange man. Um. Did this album that you recorded get produced? It did it did? Can it be found on the internet? It can. Can it be found on YouTube? It can. <laughs> Ten year old Dan singing in the Bill Gaither production studio. Yes. What was the song again? God of my father. Okay, that, you, you
1: got it right. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go to number three. All right. Uh, before I had my first interview with you at AZ, I had already decided that I didn't want to work here. That sounds right. That sounds like a damn thing.
0: Um, okay, so this time you were working for Sleekfire. Yes. Why did you decide you didn't want to work here?
1: Um, I think it was just like, I think I had interviewed for like, I was going to interview for a graphic designer, or web design position, and I just knew myself and I'm like... You know, I'd love to work in Owasso. Jordan Sobos was working here at the time. He's the one that kind of like, I remember even telling him, like, ah, no, I'm not going to. Not for me. Not for me. And so I just kind of was like, well, I said I would do this interview, so I'm just going to come in and we'll just. But I literally had no intention of working here.
0: You were interviewing me, as opposed to me interviewing you, or we not were even, dude. Each I was other. just kind
1: of—I don't know why I was here or why I was doing what I was doing. But I was just—I think it's because I'm someone who, like, I, you know, Jordan. You know, you came with high praise and recognition from Jordan, and so I was like, Jordan set this up, so like I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, Jordan's a good. I'm dude. gonna I'm gonna honor my commitment. So
0: your hesitation to work here was because of the job, as it was described as a graphic designer. Yeah, I don't. And again, I don't remember if it
1: was graphic design or or web design, but it was just more or less just like, again, I'm somebody that's a master of nothing and a dabbler of everything, and so I was like, you don't want to get. I was like this. I was like this could stress me out.
0: Yeah. Um, and what was the moment you decided I could do that?
1: Uh, well, the interview went for like two and a half hours long. Yes, it did. And like about halfway through, your gears switched you didn't even end up looking at any of my graphic design work or any of my web design work no but you just started like laying out on the whiteboard like pretty much like what was the you know what is the eos like leadership structure mm-hmm. the flow chart and you're like you know you just asking a lot of intentional questions like you know where do you see yourself on this and like the integrator role is like that's where i've always existed like yeah. you know in the first couple of church plants that i helped, like that's the guy like i'm the guy that's helping figure out strategy and get traction and you know, pe- keeping people accountable and yeah. things you're on track. Well, I knew about 30 minutes
0: in that I wanted to hire you. And yeah, as you taught, like, I wasn't really interested in your design work at the time. I was more interested in, in the role that you're fulfilling now and the role has really grown and so. Okay, so let me go back to question one real quick. What year did you say you met Jameson? 2010. Okay, that that's correct. <laughs>
1: and where did you meet him? at like a campfire like just some like mutual friends I think it was like a bonfire okay who's the friends they were a couple of ladies that we knew oh. Yep.
0: yep this was single Dan and single Jameson it was yeah oh, so this was like a go meet some ladies type of bonfire
1: yeah okay. well it wasn't meet ladies we knew the ladies and uh, the ladies were probably the reason we were there gotcha
0: yeah gotcha were, were those ladies Sarah or Mrs. Bibiak <laughs> no <laughs> It's all right. You were married, um, and that was the first time you two had met each other. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, so, okay. So these two ladies knew Jameson and knew you. Invited you guys over at the same time, mm-hmm. and then you guys became best
1: friends. We hit it off, man. We had music in common. We had faith in common. Beards in common. We had beards. I didn't have a beard at the time. I think I think he just had a goatee too. He also had very mm. long hair.
0: This is tough. Okay, so number one is you met Jameson in 2010 at a bonfire. You became best friends. You've been friends ever since. Uh, number two was you recorded. What was the song again? God My Father. God My Father. Age ten. In Bill Gaither's studio, and it's it got produced and you met Bill Gaither and you didn't get to touch his hair. Yeah. The question or the number three was that. Uh,
1: that I'd already made up my mind that I didn't oh, want to work didn't at AZ before, work AZ before you. you came here yeah. okay
0: alright um, man I, my, my brain is leaning towards number one because I feel like maybe you guys didn't become best friends at first I feel like you guys knew each other but didn't really hit it off from the beginning like many you know love stories uh, <laughs> my wife and I did not like <laughs> each other well I liked her she didn't like me um, number two seems right the name of the song three different times and i could see you you know recording in the gaither studio back in the day because your dad larry dameron Mm -hmm. was a pretty well-known christian singer Mm -hmm. um you know and then number three i could see dan just immediately like instantly being like i don't want to work there being a little skeptical um but then the charm of tony nash winning him over after two and a half hours of talking about hotel industry (laughs) <laughs> man this is tough i am gonna go i'm gonna lock in my answer that number one is incorrect you are correct that is correct <laughs> yes i did it so tell us
1: the real story so truth be told i don't remember exactly where i met jameson but i do remember the the circumstances surrounding it so it wasn't a bonfire I think it might have been. I don't know. I just, I honestly don't remember when I first met him. Um, But most people are are shocked by the story because, you know, especially like, you know, we share a little bit of, of this, like in our church membership class, just like people, like icebreaker, people getting to know us, like, you know, most people are shocked to find out that like when Jameson and I, you know, first met each other, that we were like arch nemesises, like, yeah fundamentally did not like each other. And so now people look at where we're at and they're Let's like, you guys seem like you're in lockstep, man What happens, man. Yeah, man. So we, uh, come to find out unbeknownst to me that we liked the same girl. Um, so I was under the impression that he liked the other girl that was the older sister and he was under the, you know, so yeah, I don't remember what all had happened to be honest, but I just know that like a prolonged period of time went on where we had no communication And, uh, it all worked out. Yeah, man. I ended up years later, someone shared a video of him, like leading worship. And I was like, Oh dude, that was that one guy. I remember meeting him at some point and I, you know, reached out and was like, Hey dude, like love this song. You know, like you want to get coffee sometime? You know, we seemed like, you know, we're both worship pastors at the time. And so I thought, man, this is cool. Um, and then when we sat down, like we had this great conversation at foster fostering (laughs) community and, uh, he was like, Hey dude. When you messaged me to say you like the song you want to get together, it brought up all the things that I had said to you like several years past, and I'm really embarrassed and I'm really sorry for for what you know. And I was like, wow. "Oh, dude, I had no idea because I had deleted dude, the message." Like, yeah, I didn't, and I didn't ask him. So I, till this day, I don't know what was said. Um, but I did find out that it's like oh you like that girl I had no idea and I, so I told him I was like well I, I ended up with her but you got the better end of the deal by <laughs> bypassing by that one so yeah <laughs>
0: well so it's like it's like any classic romantic comedy yep. they meet they don't like each other through yeah. time they come in and they, they and, and today they're, they're best buds yeah, they're man. co-planting a church together Yeah. so it all worked out well Dan thanks for sharing man you know I feel like I even learned a few new things about you um you know, like, I would just give my endorsement of Dan and saying, like, Dan's the real deal. Um, you know, when we first met, I wasn't sure, like, you know, if this guy really was as passionate about God and, and as he says he is, but I've watched him over the years, and he truly is, uh, He and I think it really comes down to he just, he loves people, and that's witnessed in our offices with the staff, that's witnessed with our clients, It's witnessed at his church, so... Go sit down and have a coffee with them. But before we go, as we always do, I let our guest look into that camera and plug whatever you want to plug, man.
1: Yeah, so we want to tune in next week to the No Easy Way. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, so I'd love uh, to connect with you sometime. Um, Convergent Church, you can find us online at Convergent Owasso com. It's got all the information from what we believe to, to who's leading to, you know, what to expect at a gathering. Um, and then we'd love for you to join us, you know, any Sunday at 11 a.m. we meet in the Armory right here in downtown Owasso.
0: All right. Well, again, Dan, thanks for coming on. Now we got to go back to work because we have to produce another podcast right after this. I'm going to go right
1: back on the other side of this camera. Normally, our guests
0: leave, but you're going to get to stay here and, uh, and work with our next guest. So thanks yeah. for doing this, man. Dude, thanks. thanks for sharing your heart, and thanks for sharing your stories with us. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing your, your lies. I'm glad I found out what it was this time. The last one, it was that he—I don't remember what the truth was. I just remember—or what the lie was. I just remember I guessed— The lie was that you were a former free throw champion with the Detroit Pistons, but that was actually true. It's true. 2005. Yes. I remember. So, all right, well, thank you for watching and coming on this journey with us. As my mother always said, you can't and never could until you tried. So go out there and try something great, my friends, and don't take the easy way out. We'll see see you you next time. time.